Thompson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic, great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wormold. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Rioli, spin, grips, goal, superb from the Eagles. Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a play. Shake needs to be in perfect yells. The Eagle has landed for the Premiers in 2018. G'day everyone, welcome to the West Coast Eagles Big Footy Podcast for another week. I'm your host Honey Badger 35 Coming up on this week's episode, we'll take a look back at the dominant derby performance, we'll talk waffle and the news, and then turn our attention to the second grand final rematch of the season as the Eagles prepare for Friday night footy. Uh, joining us to do so once again, please welcome Miguel Sanchez. How are you? I'm good, yeah. Um, a lot of people have been asking me that question over the last couple of days. Um, yeah, pretty good since Saturday. It's always good. You can walk a little bit taller and, you know, go into work with your head held high. You're rubbing in a few Freo fans' faces and all of that. So, yeah, it's been a nice couple of days since the Derby, and we will absolutely get into that very shortly. But first, also joining us this week is Keys. How are you? Yeah, very good. Nice to uh, see us roll out the flat track for a while. I haven't seen it for a while. Even better that we did it against the Purples. Absolutely, yeah. Look, it was a huge weekend for the Eagles. Uh, plenty of other results went our way as well, which was fantastic, but obviously none were more important than the Derby, so we might as well dive straight into it. West Coast Eagles, 19 goals, 8, 122. Defeated Fremantle, 2 goals, 19, 31. Truly one of the most remarkable derbies in a long time. I think we were all a little bit nervous in the build-up that it might turn into your typical Ross Lyons slog. Uh, at quarter time, I believe it was two goals to one. The rain was threatening to come down, so we looked like we were in for perhaps quite a tough evening at the office. Uh, and then the Eagles just put their foot down in the second quarter. They never looked back, absolutely smashed the Dockers, decimated them at every level almost. And uh, in the end, they've run away victors by 91 points in, I believe, the second biggest derby victory ever. I believe it was Fremantle's lowest derby score ever. And it was just a phenomenal night all around. Miguel, the Eagles have now won a record nine consecutive derbies. I'm pretty sure that there'd be kids who are going into school soon that have never actually been alive for a Fremantle derby win. So uh, with that in mind, obviously a massive, a massive win in the scheme of the rivalry to get that record, but a really massive win in the context of the Eagles' season as well. So how did you see Saturday's events? Yeah, it was also, I think, our biggest win at Optus and um, the lowest score we've ever kept anyone to at Optus. Yeah, a few really pleasing things about it. Firstly, uh, earlier on in the season, we seem to have, a, have have had a huge run of these wet games. And, yeah, you mentioned that it was two goals to one at quarter time when the rain really hit. And I remember thinking at the time, oh, geez, I'm glad we've got like a slight lead because goals are going to be hard to come by from here on in. And then we turned around and proceeded to kick eight straight in that quarter. Uh, yeah, so I think um, the, the practice that we've had in the wet weather is, has really helped. Um, and we can we're now in a position where we can win really in any conditions, uh, so that was really pleasing. Obviously, Nat Nui was a you know a huge, huge plus for us, just his dominance in the ruck, uh, and it, it helped that Fremantle picked a statue to play against him. But, yeah, just his, you know, he didn't get too many touches around the ground, but just his ability to give us first use of the ball, that was really where the game was won, I thought. 
know, the, the clearance domination um, and some of the work between him and Shuey was just magical. Um, there was one, I think, in the last quarter where he, he tapped it back to Shuey who ran onto it in gold. And, uh, that was yeah, just cream your pants sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, he did only get the one mark around the ground, though, Miguel, so pretty disappointing outing for Nat Nui. No, look, we'll circle back around to him eventually. When we circle back around to him, do we know what Lee Matthews thought of his second performance? I think he bloody loved it. I think he's yeah, he's convinced him in the space of a week, which is pretty impressive. It must have been a good derby, because Lee bloody loved it, from all reports. Uh, as I said, look, we will circle back around to Nat Nui in a minute, but... Keys, I almost don't even know where to start with this one, but let's just take a broad approach at it first. Sitting back on Saturday and watching that game, how did you feel? Did it, was it something that you even had an inkling could happen at all, or were you completely caught off guard by it? Completely caught off guard. You know, I think we spoke last week. We expected it to be, a, as you said at the outset, expected it to be a bit of a slog. I, I watched the game on replay knowing the result, so I sort of probably have a little bit of a different prism to a view viewed the game through than, than others. Well, I think the, the first quarter was probably as expected. A bit of a grind, pretty physical. Both teams sort of brought a lot of energy to the contest and goals were hard to come by. I think we probably, that first quarter, I think we missed a few pretty good opportunities. Mm. Uh, so I think, yeah, probably sitting down watching the game live at quarter time, you probably would have felt, well, OK, we're in front, but geez, we might have blown it a little and then as the rain started coming down at quarter time you thought well this is this is just going to be a grind and then I think the the second quarter was the AFL competition's old shit moment when I think Nat Nui just took complete control of the game and that what I think a lot of people hoped would happen with the 6-6 rule and 6-6-6 rule and Nat Nui um, it really brought to light just how damaging he can be in the centre square. Um, Fremantle, for all their faults, are generally a pretty good defensive side. They don't let sides get on top of them too much. We put through eight goals on them without Kennedy in the wet, and I think as much as anything, that that was, that was the moment the rest of the competition has just sat back and gone, these Eagles are... Uh, dangerous and really dangerous and I think as a supporter I think we we saw exactly what we dreamed we'd get with Nat Nui coming back with his knee. Yeah I mean the the big narrative out of this from a media perspective seems to be that the Eagles are now the new flag favourites or they've certainly really solid you know like firmed up into that top two group with Geelong as I also mentioned up top a few other results did go our way and perhaps we'll look at the long-term implications a little later on in the pod while we're talking about Nat Nui, we might as well. Let's let's go, you know, we'll dive all the way in on, on Nick Nat. Miguel, you've both alluded to it now, both you and Keys. It was a phenomenal performance in the middle. We, we touched last week on the fact that our guys seem to walk a bit taller and seem to get a lift out of him. But Jesus Christ, the clearance work. I believe we're plus 44 now across the last two weeks with Nick Nat in the side. And wow. I think we were plus 10 with the like the entirety of the season leading up to that. Apologies, somebody posted that on Big Footy. I'll try and find it to credit it um, just while you're uh, giving your reaction here. But, I mean, Nick Nat could be the most dangerous player in the competition with this 6-6-6. And I don't want to hear about his low numbers. He had 14 disposals in 50% game time sort of thing. But, but that derby is a testament. That is a statement game in front of everybody that Nick Nat is a danger in this league and he could really be pushing us onto something special here. 
Yeah, he had zero tackles credited to him, which was a surprise to me because he was really throwing himself around. Um, yeah, he, he doesn't seem to have really, he, he doesn't seem to be worried at all about his body. He's, um, uh, apart from the low, even for him, game time, he's um, just about back to normal within two weeks, which is uh, phenomenal. And yeah, it really bodes well coming into sort of the last couple of months of the season. But yeah, you're right. They do, they definitely walk taller uh, when he's there. And yeah, he's. You know, I, I think the interviewer, whoever was interviewing at half time, said, "You know, was this six 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 rule made for you?" And I think that's basically right. He's really going to dominate, hopefully. And he wasn't in there against a scrub. Now I know Sandlins is a bit of a statue, and uh, around the ground, obviously Nick was running off him. He looked super willing to take the ball out of the ruck, knowing that he'd burst away from Sandlins. But I also noticed a few times, you know, Jeddah would, if Sandilands was the deepest guy, Jeddah was just not even concerned with him. He ran off what looked like a contested backline just because he knew he could get around Sandy. So around the ground, perhaps not the greatest opponent. But in the ruck tap, you know, that's still a mountain of a man you've got to get around. And the, the silver service case that he was giving to Shuey, to Yo, uh, I mean, all the mids had a really solid game. But, but Shuey especially, I think, was the standout. Those two have long had a connection, and it looks like it's really going to continue to blossom in late 2019. Yeah, I think the the thing with Nat Nui is um, he's got a 360-degree zone with his taps, and he has as good a control over where they go as anyone in the competition. So it makes him really dangerous. I think I think it was one in the second quarter. The first couple of centre bounces, Nat Nui just dumped her straight over the top of Sanderlands, and then there was one, he might have been a third or fourth, where... Sandland sort of ran across the, the, the line and, and tried to take that Nui's jump away from him. And, and that's just tapped it over Sandland's head and run onto the loose ball and then just just run through the front of the, the square. I think he might have muffed the kick a little bit when he did it. But it's almost like, well, if you're going to do this, I'm just going to do that. And I'm just going to... Once Fremantle started defending the front of the square, that Nui started tapping it back over his head to someone on the defensive side of the circle and, and we went forward that way. So it's just it's just an absolute weapon. And I think what's important is as much as we're going to get some really good attacking 50 entries from it, other sides aren't going to get those because they're going to be so concerned about defending our centre clearances. They're, not, they're just going to give up on, on trying to get out of front of the square themselves. So whilst we take... You know, we build on one of our strengths. We also take away an attacking option for sides and almost having to concede that they can't attack from it. So it is just a, a real weapon that we've now got. And with Shui and Yo, who are both, you know, they're both pretty good at breaking away from congestion. Uh, it's it's going to be something else to see over the uh, remainder of the season. Really exciting output from Nat Nui, and I mean he's he's taken on some pretty solid rucks in his two returns. You know it's not like he's playing against some forwards that are pinch hitting in the ruck. He's taking on you know McAvoy and Segler, Sandilands, uh, Lob as well. You know so a couple of guys that Grundy next week. Yeah, and th- so this is the build up. Is now we've got Grundy. It's a bloody good test, and we will get to it in the Collingwood game, obviously. But that's a matchup where two different styles. Perhaps Grundy's going to maybe get some work done around the ground, but. The, the actual ruck centre clearance battle between those two will be fascinating. Uh, Coasters 7 was the poster that put that one up on Big Footy in the week. We are plus 42 in Nick Nat's games, and we were plus 10 in the other 13 games of the season. 
Let's move away from the midfield just for the moment, and we will take a look at the forwards. Obviously, Frio didn't have the kicking boots on. The Eagles absolutely did. They kicked five behinds in the first quarter. After that, they only registered three behinds. Two of them were rushed. One of them was a Jamie Cripps kick from about the goal square that he somehow managed to miss. But in a forward line, Miguel, without JK, uh, it was a wet day and it was a pretty good day for the small forwards. The Eagles just had it all going. I'm not sure it was a wet day based on how we played. Um, it seemed like one side was uh, uh, was playing in the wet and one side was in the dry. Um, yeah, there was certainly a marked difference between the two forward lines in, in how they played. And I think Fremantle actually had 10 more inside 50s than us and um, only had five or six less scoring shots and somehow managed to lose by 90 points. Um, but, yeah, our, our forwards, um, yeah, some of the skills in there to... Uh, to create goals out of almost nothing, you know, Riolis in particular and a couple of Camerons, yeah, just fantastic. And, you know, when all of those guys are up and firing and then you add Kennedy in there as well, um, yeah, it's going to give defences a lot of headaches, you know, because they can't stop everyone. The key defenders are going to have to be playing on, you know, Kennedy and Darling. And, you know, there's not too many sides that have two really good key defenders and then, you know, any one of, uh, Rioli, Ryan, Cripps, or, you know, we've now seen Cameron can bob up and kick four goals. So, yeah, it's going to create a lot of headaches um, for other sides. And, yeah, they're working um, really well on Saturday night to get 18 or 19, or was it 19 goals from about 50 forward entries, which is um, just, yeah, fantastic conversion, right? The Eagles kicking a goal 38% of the time they went inside 50. Fremantle kicking a goal 3% of the time they went inside 50. I believe the league average is somewhere around 22 23%. So obviously two very different evenings for both clubs. Keys, Miguel's just touched then on Jared Cameron. Four kicks, four goals. He tore apart the second quarter. Uh, Rioli's kicked a World Cup special. Cripps, last week we talked about how underrated he was. He's kicked four goals. Ryan was everywhere. He didn't finish off any with a goal, unfortunately. But, you know, we've got a very dynamic forward line. How excited can we get about the prospect of this forward line putting up high scores? We've seen scoring drop off a fair bit in the AFL, but do you think this is something where we will be able to flat out outscore teams going forward? Yeah, I think we've got a very, very, very dangerous mix. I think in the early part of the season, our problem wasn't so much scoring, but it was in in terms of from, from the entries, but it was the supply that was always the problem. We were, I think we, we were lucky to get 50 forward entries and I think there was a few games there that we weren't getting uh, we're getting low 40s or even under 40 so you know once we start getting the ball into that forward line there's you know we've got we've now got six or seven forwards that can haul all hit the scoreboard and you know that makes that makes it really dangerous because it makes us less predictable you know we've we've learnt now to not just keep bombing on Kenny's head and I hope we you know don't go back to that at any stage but you know, we've got a number of different weapons and it's it's in the air and it's on the ground. And we're also good at now putting pressure on the on the defensive players on the opposition, putting pressure on them, bringing the ball out. So we've got probably as good a forward line as there is in the in the league in terms of danger. If we just get them if we get them all fit and all on the park and firing, yeah, look out. Especially since we you know, with that new as we touched on, we're we're likely to get Probably a bit better supply, not not just number wise, but quality quality supply as well. Let's swing it over to the other side of the field now. Uh, it's hard to 
have a game where you only concede two goals and not give a big pump up to the back line. So let's do that now. Miguel, Shepard's obviously come away with the Glendening Allen medal. So he's had 25 disposals, seven marks, but just an all-round great effort from the back line. We saw Tom Barass return. He looked like a million bucks, and he even got a little bit of a rest at the end, which was fantastic for you know the long-term building his fitness back up. McGovern, great as always. Always, I know, a sore point for Fremantle fans in derbies is that McGovern just feasts. Uh, Shannon Hearn, 22 disposals and eight marks. Jeddah was pretty damaging on the rebound. Duggan was quite impactful at times as well. Nelson, again, another quiet game where he just does his job and you don't really consider you know, his man. They're not really a factor. It was, it was a top-to-bottom phenomenal performance from the defence, but particularly intercepting. So what was your read on our, on our back six? Um, it might be statistically, I think, one of the, the best performances ever. I, you know, they kicked, Frio kicked two goals from 60 forward entries which is you know, phenomenal. And yeah, you said before 3%. Um, and some of that was terrible kicking, but a lot of it was um, was us, I think, sort of not giving them too much easy access into the forward line. And a lot of their shots were taken from you know, from out on the boundary. And if they did try and come in a bit straighter, then yeah, McGovern and Barras were just chopping everything off. Um, I don't know how much they planned for you know, how to avoid McGovern. We've heard all season that teams have sort of, change their, their forward entries to try and avoid him, but you know, Frio were just giving it to him, and Shepard and Barras, and really just playing into into our hands uh, in that respect. Um, but yeah, the, the defence, you know, it's, it's been our strongest line all season, and um, it's uh, had probably its best performance, I think, on the weekend, but yeah, I, I think it's, you know, Keyes said that our forward line's probably the best in the league. Our defence, I think, is definitely the best in the league, certainly in terms of performance. And we've got a bit of depth there as well. You know, Cole can't get back in. Rotham can't get in. You know, Francis Watson's waiting for a debut. Um, Schofield got dropped the weekend. And, you know, he's a grand final hero and his form in the last few weeks has been fantastic. So, yeah, it's an exceptionally strong defence at the moment. Um, it held us up when we were not performing so well early in the season. And you asked the question before, can we sort of get into shootouts with teams? And I think we can because, you know, teams are going to struggle to outscore us because they're going to have to get through our defence. So in a match that decisive, I mean, it seems... I struggled to to find individual things to point out, you know, when I was thinking of the recap on the positives and negatives thread. You know, there were a few nice moments to discuss Cameron and Natanui's return, all this sort of stuff. But honestly, from top to bottom, from player number one to player number 22, you know, you had a guy like Archie come in as a late call-up for what is, I believe, his season debut, and he slotted in fantastically. I mean, he flew for mark of the year every two minutes, and he didn't really take any any worth it. But um, you know, he was he was he did his job. He was solid. I've seen some people think that he was quite good. I thought he was pretty solid as well. So, you know, you've got guys like Marston, twenty five touches and a goal. He got votes in the medal for God's sake. From top to bottom, keys. This was, I think, as decisive an Eagles performance as you could ever hope to see. Yeah, I think it was it was very very even. I mean, I very hard to pick a one, two, and three. I mean, the votes were. I, I don't know how many players actually ended up getting votes, but off the top of my head, I'd say there was probably six individual players got votes from three different judges in the in the three two one. I think that was just an indication of we didn't have. I don't think we had a genuine standout player that was head and shoulders above the rest. And by the same token, we didn't have an individual who was demonstrably worse than anybody else. It was a very very even team performance, and even I think I saw I read. A, a write-up of the game and they sort of mentioned who had a quiet game and 
you know, pot at Redden because he had 25 disposals at 48% efficiency or something like that. But I think Jeez. he, um, I think he went to work at he went to work pretty much on Walter Street in midfield and nullified his influence. And the other one they they potted was Nelson because they said he only had seven disposals. <laughs> but Jesus. And I was like, well, do you, do you watch the game? As as far as I can tell, Nelson was playing on Matera, who's who's actually been in pretty reasonable form. And I've actually seen him in some uh, things as being a, a, a potential All-Australian squad member. And he kicked three behinds and, and, and had no influence on the game whatsoever. So, yeah, Nelson had seven disposals. So what, you know, it was about the same as his opponent got. So, yeah, across the board, we was just a really good performance. So I think just touching on the, on the backs again, I think, as good as Schofield's been at full back, I think we saw the benefit of Barras coming back into that side because Barras makes McGovern a better player because I think with Schofield in the side, they can try and go around McGovern a little bit. But Barras in there, it's they're getting more of the same. Barras is, is so good in the air. And when he spoils, he, he doesn't just tap the ball down at the feet of the pack, he, he clears the area and he crash. He actually splits pack packs open. So he's and if he's if he's in space, he can take a mark as well. So you've just got you've got Barras, McGovern, and Hearn, who are all very very good overhead. Throwing Shepherd as well, you know, it's a very hard defence to kick a high ball into and not get intercepted. Yeah, and there's obviously a very big matchup that always looms in our in our West Coast Collingwood games. You know, the Dugowie matchup is something that he's talked about ad nauseum over the last season or so, and uh, there are a few interesting options for it this week, and we'll certainly get into that at the back end of the pod, but hats off to the defence. It's not every day, or indeed every season, you know, that you see a team only concede two goals, so stunning performance from them, and it was uh, yeah, absolute bloodbath when Freo went inside 50, because it was like they were kicking to our backs on a lead, it was remarkable Alright guys, look, before we close the book on the Derby, any parting thoughts from either of you? Uh, I thought, uh, you mentioned Maston briefly, but I thought that was easily his best game of the year um, and I don't know, I've, um, I've seen some people sort of attribute it to Hutchings not being in the team, but I don't think that really had anything to do with it having said that, I don't know whether it it was because he was just he was running to better and more useful spots, or teammates were sort of trying to get him involved a bit more. But he finally seemed to get some reward for the thirteen or fourteen k's that he runs every game. Um, got on the end of quite a few of them, and and even got on the end of a goal. So yeah, that was um, really pleasing, I think, to see him get that sort of result. Yeah, Maston was Maston was good. I think um, I'll post it up. I'll link to it up in the positives and negatives thread, but. For anyone that wants a really good summary of the match, the mongrel punt did a, a really good summary. It was well worth the read for anyone that's uh, interested in a, a non-mainstream media take on uh, on the derby. But yeah, great great win, and it's it's opened up our season immensely. That we'll uh, I guess we'll get to a bit later. So turning our attention to the Waffle, it was another fantastic day for the Beagles who have started to string some really solid form together over the last few weeks. And being that it was Derby Day, that also means it's time for Beagles versus Peel. And it was a lot of the same, really. Uh, the Beagles, 10 goals, 16, 76, defeated Peel. 3 goals, 10, 28. 
The Fremantle affiliate has kicked three goals. The Fremantle Football Club has kicked two goals. Jared Cameron very nearly combined for more goals than the entire Fremantle Football Club, firsts, reserves, whatever, uh, on the same day. It was a remarkable scoreline as well. And, yeah, just another great game from the Beagles. Josh Smith, 30 disposals, three really solid weeks in a row for him. Matt Allen, 24 disposals, nine tackles. Rotham, I've seen named in the best, 19 disposals and six marks. Obviously, he made his debut against Collingwood, so putting his hand up at the right time. Brayshaw, you know, 24 and nine tackles. There's a lot of guys, Miguel, that are starting to put their hand up for selection from the Beagles. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely a good position to be in with the uh, reserves in good form and sort of trying to push their way into a, a strong side. Um, and I mentioned earlier the, the defenders that could really come into the AFL side at any time and you'd be confident in them. Schofield and, um, and Cole didn't even play on the weekend. They were both held out. But, yeah, Rotham is... A super defender, Watson. You know, he's waited and waited for his debut, but you'd be fairly confident if um, if he came in. But he's he's a fair way down the list now. Yeah, Josh Smith's turned in probably three weeks now of really good, um, really good performances. Jake Waterman. Every time you see him at waffle level, he looks a class above that. Kurt Mutimer, even even Kurt Mutimer, who's probably sort of number one in line for delisting at the end of the year, unfortunately for him, but he's stepped into the midfield in the past couple of weeks in the waffle, having um, started off the year down in the back line. And it um, just takes me back a bit to sort of the first half of 2017, and you know, Mutimer was playing midfield then and was um, you know, turning in good enough performances that he actually forced his way into the senior side. And he's he showed a bit of that form, I think, in the last few weeks as well as a midfielder. So uh, he's potentially one that's still putting his hand up, albeit it might be a little bit um, futile for him to do that. The tall brigade at, at waffle level is pretty strong. With you know, Brooksby um, continues to do his job. He's playing a bit more forward now than, than in the ruck, um, but uh, he's, he's contributing there. Bailey Williams looks really exciting as a, as a ruckman. Um, and Matt Allen continues to knock the door down. Brayshaw, you mentioned, is um, he seems to be a bit of a wet weather specialist. He's uh, he's got the build for it, despite you know he's only 19, but he's you know, really solid, solidly built, and um, yeah, he's just provides some real grunt, particularly in that wet weather. Uh, and another one who obviously can't play for us this year, but Nick Reed has um, you know, for a guy that I think was a midfielder at, at amateurs level, he's come in and. Um, uh, he's kicking goals. He's probably almost second to um, Waterman in our goal kicking, and it provides that sort of medium-sized pressure forward role as well. And he's easily one that I could see us rookie listing at the end of the year. So yeah, just one to look out for, maybe down the track. So in his last six games, he's kicked 15 goals, uh, and I know he's a fan favourite of the guys who do the commentary. I think Goss and Thumper do the commentary on those waffle streams, and they bloody love hyping him up. So yeah, Nick Reid certainly one to watch in the future. Keys, let's assume, fingers crossed, in an ideal world that everybody stays healthy for the Eagles. Who do you think of this current group playing in the Beagles is most likely to force their way in to a healthy Eagles side? Oh, it's, a, it's a challenge with a with a full list. Um, I think of the defenders, I think Rotham is putting together some really, really strong performances. And I, I think... Um, I was listening to uh, Drew Petrie on one of the Eagles podcasts last week, and uh, he was asked about which which young players sort of really showing you know a lot for him, and he was most impressed with. It. And I think he he mentioned Rotham not just for the way he's playing, but the way his leadership that he's showing in the back line and the way he's organising things and, and things like that. So 
he'd have to be close. I think Josh of the midfielders, Josh Smith's putting as Miguel said, he's putting together a pretty pretty decent bank of form and, and in up forward, I mean Jake Wannerman's just just had a quick look at the, the leading waffle goal kickers. He's kicked twenty two goals from seven games in the waffle and he's third, sixth on the list of of uh goal kickers for the waffle. The leading goal scorer is Mason Shaw who's kicked thirty four goals from twelve games and Waterman's on 22 from seven, so he's actually averaging more goals per game than than anybody in the in the league at the moment in the waffle. So you, you know you you've got to look at at some stage if if someone's even slightly off in that front half, that Waterman's got to um got to be given another go. He, he, he's solid, so really good position for the club to be in. I think the other thing just before we move on. I think looking at it, we only we had 13 listed players play for the Beagles on Saturday, which is sort of gets to that point where it's it's become a bit of a tipping point for the Beagles this year, where you get down to sub 15 of their listed players. We seem to have uh, struggled a little bit. I don't know Fremantle's list well enough to know how many listed players they had, but uh, you know to win so comprehensively when we had. You know, only just over half a, almost, well, sorry, almost half a side of uh, top ups. You know, that's a pretty encouraging performance. And I think you're seeing, you know, guys like Reed and, and Fisher, you know, they're starting to, I mean, Fisher's been pretty good all year as well, but I think they, those guys are starting to show the um, benefits of maybe just being around AFL players for a little bit. And, you know, they're starting to find their groove a bit as well. So it's, you know, Things are looking up for them. Well, I think it's two or three wins in a row now for them. So, it's, you know, they're going well. Um, Drew Petrie being one of those top-up players really helps, I think. Um, and, yeah, I think it's three wins in a row and we're undefeated since he's sort of made his playing comeback. Taking a quick look at some of the news around the Eagles. Now, we're recording this on the Monday night, so we know official injury list yet. Uh, the Eagles love throwing a curveball in with, you know, an unnamed injury for the for the selection towards the end of the week. But so far, let's just speculate based off last week's injury list. So Hutchings should be coming down to one to two weeks with a hamstring strain. Vardy, he should be down to about one week with a knee injury. Petrocelli should be available from the hamstring, but pretty difficult to see him forcing his way back into uh, really an elite forward line at the moment. Jared Brander should be available for the Beagles coming off the calf injury. And then that trio of Bynes, Venables and Edwards, perhaps we'll, we'll get a time frame on any of those. But Miguel, we've said it for a few weeks now, the club is in a really solid spot health-wise. Yeah, it is. Um, Petrocelli trained today, so he'll be putting his hand up, I think, although, yeah, he's going to have... I think almost certainly going to have to come back through the waffle now. Um, but, yeah, we've somehow, despite having, you know, we only had 13 players available for the waffle, but we've got a pretty good injury list. Um, so hopefully if we haven't picked anything up out of the derby and you know, we're yet to know that, then, yeah, it's a it's a good position to be in. Certainly of our best 22, there's, uh, unless you count Venables and he'd be borderline, um, there's no one really out long-term at the moment. So, yeah, great position to uh, to be in in you know, July, pushing for um, pushing towards finals. And just tidying up a little bit of news around the club, I believe that they have they are in the process or indeed perhaps have completed the move to Mineral Resources Park, uh, which coincidentally is where the Beagles play West Perth this Sunday at 2.15pm. So 
Uh, Keys, the club's starting to move into those new facilities. The, the team's firing on all cylinders. We're sitting second on the ladder and everything's sitting pretty in West Coast Eagles land right now. Yeah, it's probably... It's uh, it's one of those things that you, you're glass half full. <laughs> it, everything, everything's sort of coming up Millhouse at the moment. It, uh, often when it's like that, something something goes awry. But, yeah, just at the minute, we're in a, we're a really, really good spot. Uh, you know, we don't know if there's any injuries out of the derby, but um, hopefully nothing serious. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're firing on most cylinders just about at the moment. So, yeah, onwards and upwards, I think. And a little bit of AFLW news before we dive into the grand final rematch. Uh, Michaela Bowen, who is on the Eagles list for next season, should be popular on our board. She has a basketball background. Uh, she was playing for the under-18s WA side today against Vic Metro. Uh, WA seemed to have been going pretty well in the previous round of fixtures. Vic Metro also looked like the strongest team, so perhaps a potential top-two clash there. Metro did get on top, 51-34, to 34, but Michaela and WA back in action on Wednesday uh, at midday WA time, and you can watch that one all on the AFLW YouTube channel as well if you'd like to get around that. Moving on to the grand final rematch. It is the second grand final rematch of the season. It is in front of the home crowd. The Eagles and Collingwood have met now five times in... Uh, in a year, it's it's a year to the round, I believe, that they've played round 17 through to round 17. Uh, five times, the Eagles have won the previous four. They obviously won the game at home. They've won all of the games at the MCG. And, Miguel, we are up against a Pies side that aren't exactly firing at quite as well as the Eagles are just at the minute. Yeah, they're struggling at the moment, um, and they'll probably have a, a pretty tough week, I think, in the, the Melbourne media, um, applying the blowtorch on them, so... Uh, yeah, good and bad to be getting them now, I suppose, because you know they'll be fairly anxious to prove a point, um, particularly since we've yeah, beaten them, um, you know, so many times in the past, in, including one day in late September. Uh, so yeah, it's um, it's definitely a good time to get them. It's, yeah, going to be an interesting one. The uh, the the turnaround, the six day break is um, you know, coming out of a, a wet slog is something that concerns me a little. Uh, we might have some sore boys. We might have some players who uh, who don't get up for the game so we'll wait and see on that but yeah it's definitely going to be a, um, a match that we can't take for granted but yeah deservedly go in as favourites I think. It's very I mean if you had have pointed out the games coming out of our bye, Essendon, Hawthorne Fremantle and now Collingwood, the one that weirdly I think Eagles fans perhaps would feel the most confident about given how that it's all played out might indeed be this Friday's game against Collingwood Keys, as we've mentioned, look, the Pies not in great form lately. They lost a heartbreaker to the Hawks. They are absolutely embarrassed by the Roos the previous week, and then they really scraped past the Bulldogs the week before. They lost to Frio. They've been, you know, they ran Carlton pretty close, or more to the point, Carlton ran them fairly close. So they don't look like a dominant grand final bound, premiership bound outfit just at the minute. What do you expect to see this Friday? Yeah, I think they're they're having their uh, their own set of struggles at the moment. You know, as Opposed to us, I I haven't looked at their injury list, but I think they've got a they've got a few they've got a few out, and you know the suspension of of Stevenson for his own stupidity is it's probably hurting them a little bit as well. So I think you know on on form, you you think we're we're clear favourites, but yeah, you know, I think sometimes particularly for the Victorian clubs more so than us, a, a trip away out of Melbourne 
uh, can be a good thing, particularly when the club's under pressure. And I, I think it was Mick Malthouse I heard during the uh, in the post game on Friday night after Hawthorne and Collingwood. He said it can be a good thing for the for the boys because in Melbourne they're under the pump. They're, you know, everyone's asking them about things like that. They can get to they can travel over here. They, they can sit down. They can gel as a group and uh, do a bit of bonding and then come out and in, in a game that you know probably the the pressure's off them a little bit in that no one's expecting them to win anyway. So uh, I'd, I'd be expecting a, a pretty pretty fired up and a pretty determined Collingwood side to run out on Friday night. It's a big stage. They'll be wanting to uh, put their best foot forward. And, you know, I think it'll be a uh, it'll be a tough game, notwithstanding Collingwood's recent poor form. But I think they'll, they'll be pretty determined to... To put a good showing, and I'm pretty sure I, I would think too they would be uh, sick of losing to the Eagles, uh, and that'd be something that I I think as a playing group they will they will address and 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 so uh, it's it's time we uh, we got one back on those guys. So yeah, I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be a really tight hard fought hard fought game. Following their tough loss to the Hawks on Friday night, I did have a little bit of a lurk on the Collingwood board just to see what the consensus was. And unsurprisingly, you know, not a lot of happy people over there, but they, as Keith pointed out, there are a couple of key personnel missing from the Pies. I will just read out this one comment because it did catch my eye. Somebody on the Pies board said, the team just looks worse and worse every week. Even Sire can't be considered after that game because he looks like an ass that grew a body. And I just, that was a great comment. I uh, got a good little rise out of that, but obviously they're all tearing shreds off each other over there. So not, uh, yeah, two teams coming into this grand final rematch in, in two very different strains of form. Miguel, despite Collingwood's poor form, they are a very dangerous list. They added a couple of nice players in the offseason as well. So you've got a midfield there that was touted in the off-season in the build-up to this season as perhaps being the most talented in the comp. Guys like Trelaw still firing on, on a disposal level, but not at a particularly high efficiency. Uh, so no Hutchings. We've seen the Hutchings to side-bottom tag in recent matchups. Who do you think is going to... Well, not who do you think. How do you think we're going to deal with the with the midfield matchup now? Will we see Yo go head-to-head with somebody like Trelaw? You know, could we move Nelson up the ground and try and have him you know, play a bit of a negating role. Is there any way you think we'll try and combat this Collingwood midfield or do you think we might just play him straight up and may the best team win? I think with Hutchings out, we probably just, yeah, do play them straight up. And, you know, with the, the added bonus that you know, we've now got Nat Nui in and firing and giving our, our mids an advantage, um, yeah, I, I think we just probably play them head-to-head. Yo seems to thrive uh, in particular in that sort of the head-to-head battle. Um, Shuey as well to an extent. And, yeah, the, the, ruck, um, the ruck battle is going to be really integral to that, I think. Um, you know, Nat, we haven't got either of the guys that um, that negated Grundy through the, the final series last year, but Nat Nui was, I think, the architect of that. So he'll be able to hopefully put put that plan to use. You know, and, and he and Hickey can, um, can sit about you know, nullifying Grundy uh, in the air as well as around the ground. Um, so that's going to be important. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think, um, I don't think we'll sort of have anyone in that Hutchings role tagging side bottom. Yeah, I, I can't really see who it would be. And our midfield, uh, Maston was probably the weak link in our midfield over the last few weeks, but based on his performance last week, I think you leave him there. So yeah, I wouldn't be 
changing up the midfield mix too much and, and I don't think there's anyone there that could really do Hutchings' role. So, yeah, I think we just go you know, roll a dice and um, yeah, go against them head-to-head. Did I say head-to-head enough in that? <laughs> well, it is the grand final rematch and it is one that we will be all looking for us to go head-to-head. And it is the sort of thing where if you bait, like I said, this is a midfield that was touted as perhaps the most talented in the comp coming into the year. Now, obviously, they are missing a couple of troops in there, but, you know, for, for an Eagles side that champion data listed as the 11th best in the competition, we've touched on perhaps having the best back line and perhaps having the best forward line. If your midfield can get on top of that Collingwood team that on paper looks astounding, you know, this is a really promising spot to be in. Keys, the other matchup, I suppose, we've, we've looked at the, the tagger in the past as well as quite crucial in the Collingwood matchup. The other one is Dugowie, and I alluded to it earlier, uh, Obviously a, a source of quite a lot of amusement from the Dugowies in the goal square call on grand final day, but it needs to be say, stated that he is a very talented player. And, you know, at the start of the year, we had Victorian media falling over themselves to say he was the best player in the comp. So with Shepard in fine form, we've seen Schofield have success on him in the past. Is that somebody you could see forcing his way back into the side? Or how do you think that we're going to combat the, the Collingwood forward line, Dugowie in particular? I, I think... There's no re- no reason to bring Schofield back in as just to to play on Dugowie. I think we've got our our first choice matchup against Dugowie is is Shepherd. I mean he started on him in the qualifying final, and I think he was doing a pretty good job in the first quarter. I think that that qualifying final the momentum swung a little bit when Am- uh, Shepherd went off with his hamstring and and Dugowie got into the game a little bit. I think. Uh, the round three matchup. I don't think Dugowie had a, a particularly strong game, and I'm almost certain Shepherd played on him from from memory. Um, Shepherd's a good matchup for Dugowie. He's he's, uh, he's got the pace to go with him. Um, he's good in the air. He's probably more nimble than what Schofield was as well. So, um, you know, we probably lose a little bit of of Shepherd's drive because he'll need to focus a little bit on Dugowie in terms of a you know a, a tighter checking role. But um yeah, I think Shepard's got all the tools to acquit himself well against Dugowie. and I and I think uh with Stevenson out, Cox, you know, pretty badly out of form. You know, I think our, our backs have pretty much got Collingwood covered, I think. So it really does come back to that midfield battle and Collingwood are missing I think Adams is still out. I think he's he, he might be okay to come back this weekend, but I think there's still a fair bit of doubt of that. Beams is is out indefinitely, unfortunately for him with his um his own struggles. So I think we you know one of the things with that Collingwood midfield with it was it was how deep it batted. But with a couple of those guys out, it's not batting as deep as it as it was. I think Maston had a pretty good role on Hill on the weekend, and I think that got him into the game a bit. So I can see Maston sort of running. Not a hard tag, tag the way Hutchings does it, but I can see Maston sort of lining up with Sidebottom and, and trying to at least make him accountable, particularly since Sidebottom does like playing on the wing a fair bit. So, yeah, I, I think we've, you know, we've got the tools to, to do it. It's just, it just comes back to intent and work rate as it often does at AFL these days. If we've got the right mindset, um, we should be able to match them, even if they do come out. Uh, if Collingwood do come out the best, I think we, we've got the ability to match it. Um, whether or not we do remains to be seen. But, yeah, I think uh, hopefully Barras can make Coxie's pitch again. So, <laughs> And apart from that, they don't have 
I think um, Ben Reid's still out for them. So, or he might have picked up an injury against Hawthorne. I can't remember which, but I don't know if he's going to be playing either. So, yeah, we've got we've got some pretty good tools, and and Hickey, I think, will will do that. Lysett, hopefully, do that sort of Lysett Fardy job around the ground on Grundy, and and keep him honest and work him over around the ground just so that Nat Nui can uh, jump into him in the centre square. So before we get into our changes, Miguel, I'll start with you on this one, and then Keys, I'll throw it back to you. We can both have a go at it. In the context of the season, now the Eagles are currently second. Uh, there's seven games to go. They're second. They're, they're a one-win clear of Collingwood at the moment and a win clear of Brisbane, two clear of fifth being GWS and Richmond. So in the context of the season, how important is a win and also, conversely, if the Eagles were to drop this game and it, it sort of plunges us back into that battle for second, third and fourth with a couple of other teams, how devastating would a loss be? Is it the sort of thing where you've seen enough from this side to think that they can power on and, and put it behind them and get through it? Or obviously it's a golden opportunity, but, but what's more important, you know, getting the win or avoiding the loss? I think you've got to go in with the mindset that uh, getting the win is important. You, you can't go in with that negative mindset. And you know everything that we've said today has been you know positive, and you know, we we match up really well with them. They're not in great form. Um, we're we're flying at the moment. You know we're coming off a big win. Um, we've beaten them the last four times we've played them in the last twelve months, uh, which does worry me a little bit because you know, the what the unpredictability of this season means that you know all that sort of um, conversely points to an Eagles loss, but. Uh, yeah, look, we should go in a lot of confidence. Um, we should go in and, you know, be prepared to play our own game and, and make Collingwood try and match us, not the other way around. Yeah, a win is a win would almost lock up second spot for us, which would be fantastic because we've seen how important um, home advantage is in the finals. And you know, if we you know, the top two spot gives us a home qualifying final, which if you win that gives us a home prelim, which you know. Um, gives you uh, a really good path into the grand final, so it's uh, really important to win this. Uh, it, it's not, it's not all doom and gloom. If we lose, it'll just make that job um, a fair bit harder, um, especially given that uh, we boosted our percentage on the weekend. But it's still probably not up there with a lot of the other teams around us. Um, In saying that, it's it's really not far off. Geelong, obviously the outlier, 140. We're on 114. Collingwood, 118. Brisbane in fourth are on 111, GWS 125, Richmond 103, Port 110, Adelaide 105. So of the teams in the eight, we're actually we have the fourth, uh, yeah, the fourth highest. But in terms of games played, we're a fair bit clear of a couple of the guys who have the higher percentages. So our percentage is right back in the mix. I don't think it's as big of a concern as perhaps we thought it would be several weeks ago. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, so that that helps and that uh, makes this would make a loss um, less devastating than otherwise it might do. But, um, yeah, certainly a win is a really good springboard into the last six weeks of the season and into the finals. And, yeah, that should definitely be um, – the, the players should you know, go in with the mindset that you know, this is game to win if we just take it. Keys, how vital would a win against Collingwood this weekend be? And if the club were indeed to lose the game, what does that do for your projection of the rest of the season? I think, um, as Miguel said, it's a golden opportunity. I think if we if we win, we we sort of cat ourselves ourselves, you know, two games clear of Collingwood. Depending on the result of the Brisbane 
Port Adelaide match, we could potentially be two games clear of, of whoever is third, which, you know, six weeks out makes us, makes, you know, we've got to, we've got to drop quite a few, you know, we've got to drop a few games to, to be knocked out. So it gives us a really strong position to go into that last third of the season. I mean, if we lose, it's, it's not, um, not anything to slash our wrists over. It's, uh, It'd be disappointing, obviously, but we, I mean, it could tumble us as low as fifth, I think, the way I, I looked at it. If uh, we lose to Collingwood and and, uh, and Port beat Brisbane, I think, I, think, I think fourth's the lowest we could be at the end of the weekend, but we'd be right in there with yeah, yeah a, a bad group of, of teams to be with. I think I worked out, I might have got my maths wrong, but I thought we could go as low as fifth, but maybe. But anyway, we it, it's, it's sort of, it just makes it that little bit harder, and it does. It, it gives us a lot less room for error in that back part of the season. But I think, you know, it, it really does set our season up. A win over Collingwood sets our season up really, really well. So, I think last week I, I, I said it. You know, with the one some of the results went away. You know, in Recent times, I think sometimes you know we've had instances where we've had a game where a win really sets us up, and we've we've failed to capitalise on it, which is one of the other little concerns I have in the back of my mind with this weekend. But it's yeah, a lot a loss isn't devastating, but geez, a win would be bloody handy. So let's move on to the changes. Uh, I think it goes without saying that the likeliest in would be Josh Kennedy for Archie. Now I don't think Archie did a lot wrong, but. Uh, I would expect that that change would feature fairly prominently in most Eagles fans' uh, ins and outs this week. Miguel, lovely, lovely work from him. Did the research for me uh, earlier today and, and figured out the ins and outs since we last met. So since we last played Collingwood, Nat Nui in, Duggan, Nelson, Rioli and Cameron, they're all in. Now the outs, Vardy, Cole, Rotham, Hutchings and Petricelli. Uh, the inclusions of Nat Nui and Duggan, the inclusion of Rioli... Nelson's in great form. Cameron's in great form. I think all of those ins are probably all ticks. You, you know, they, they might all be at worst neutral, but probably at best upgrades over the players they replaced. So, Miguel, we should be in good in a good spot. For myself, Kennedy, for Archie, the only change that I would make, as I said. Now, for you, is there any other changes that you'd like to see the Eagles make this weekend? Uh, very difficult, I think, to make any changes um, that aren't sort of forced to that, um, to that side, especially since, you know... If, if Nelson and Redden were our two worst-performed players, uh, then really it's going to be difficult to drop anyone. Um, yeah, the question of who Kennedy comes in for, Archie is the obvious one. Um, otherwise, you could make the argument that maybe Allen comes out because we're at, um, if we've got those three guys, Kennedy, Darling and Allen in the forward line, plus Hickey and Nat Nui, then possibly we're a bit tall. But Allen is... He's just proved himself so versatile this year, uh, and it's the, the weather forecast is dry, so you, you don't need to be too worried. Um, all three of those guys provide um, a fair bit of forward pressure, so the the fact that their tools negated a bit, so yeah, maybe you could make the argument for Allen, but I think Archie is the obvious one, and yeah, no, I wouldn't be making any other changes unless there's some mystery injuries that we may or may not find out about on Tuesday. Which there absolutely will be, and I would suggest we won't find out on Tuesday. We'll find out when the teams are announced, because that is the game that the club likes to play. Uh, yeah, weather, quick little weather forecast, minimum of 7, maximum of 19, chance of rain, 0%. So 
Uh, obviously, that could change, but we've seen that we can still get it done in the wet, and if it stays dry, perhaps the tall forward line is you know mitigated somewhat and shouldn't be too bad. Keys for you, any changes that you'd like to see this weekend? No, I think uh, it's the obvious one. I don't think... Uh, I suppose, that, you know, I think whilst there's no rain, I think I'd expect that it's probably going to be fairly dewy, so it'll, it'll play like a, a wettish night. Um, it won't be a bone dry. It won't be a bone dry ground, I don't think. So, yeah, there's there's the argument as Miguel sort of said about Oscar Allen making us a little bit too tall. But I think he's he's really not necessarily really important, but he, he he's having he's playing a, he's playing his role and he's a he's a clever little fella. Generally, he doesn't get a lot of disposals, but most of his disposals are in the scoring chain. And he has some deft little taps and things like that along the way as well. He, he, he's a smart footballer, and you can see why the club are wanting to just get games into him because once he gets, you know, once he gets that 50, 60 game mark, he's going to be a really dangerous forward, I think. So, um, so he stays in. Archie's unlucky. I suppose you could, on the flip side, you could probably say he was lucky that. Kennedy was was ill and had to come out because otherwise he wouldn't have played last weekend. But he he played he played his role. He did a pretty good job. But unfortunately, if you've got Kennedy coming back in, you know someone's going to miss. So then it's just a question of of who's been who saw. I mean, it was despite the ninety point margin. I mean, it was a fairly physical game. So I'd actually be surprised if we haven't got you know at least one player that. Uh, doesn't quite come up. I think there's been a bit of talk that Ryan might have got a knock early in the game and maybe didn't run it out as well as uh, as he was going in the first quarter. So there may be some doubt on him. If that's the case, it'll probably give Archie the reprieve unless they get the confidence in Pretty hamstring to bring him back in. But yeah, I, I, I would have thought, barring injury, it's the just the one change that we've we've said. Prediction time. Miguel, we'll start with you. Who's going to win the grand final rematch and which eagle is going to impress us the most? I think I'll pick us by 24 points uh, and the medal to go to uh, um, Dom Sheed. uh, Loves playing Collingwood. Uh, Killed him in September. He he kicked three goals against him earlier this year. So uh, he uh, wasn't our most, uh, it wasn't our best before midfielder in the derby. Definitely played his role, but I'll um yeah I'll pick him to come out and um yeah break Collingwood Hearts yet again. Keys, your calls. Uh, I think us by I'm gonna say eight points. Um, I think it'll be a it'll be a pretty good game to watch. I think I think uh, but I think you know, we just get over the line, and I'm gonna go with Jamie Cripps. Sneaks under the radar. I think with that forward line, he's the one that sometimes gets gets escapes the attention. I think he could uh he's the sort of guy that can um get under Collingwood's guard. Um he did it in the first game this year. I think in his first game back I think he kicked three or four goals from memory. I reckon he's on a repeat of that and his work rate's uh is off the charts. So yeah, Crips for the best on ground. 
just out of interest, um, I had my backup in case I didn't go first and someone took Sheed. My backup was going to be Cripps. <laughs> I was going to say Sheed until you did. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds. Very good. Well, I had neither of those guys, though they are both good calls. Yeah, Cripps, he's kicked 19 goals in his last nine games. Uh, he's coming off four at the weekend. He kicked four against Collingwood first up, so that is a very good call. Now, I'm going to go with a, another guy who also loves playing against Collingwood. He unfortunately didn't get the opportunity to do so late last year, but he's shown in, in recent seasons that it's a matchup he really likes. Andrew Gaff. He returned against Collingwood in round three, 35 disposals. Now, they weren't the cleanest disposals. He was accumulating, but not really driving through the footy as well. Uh, as we might hope. But I think that's an issue that he's fixed over the last couple of weeks, and his disposal has gone up quite a notch. He's registered under 30 touches twice this year, 28 and 29. So you know he's going to get the footy. He he uh, had 30 and a goal when we played Collingwood in round 17 last year. He had 35 against Collingwood this year. He's come off 35 at home last week. Andrew Gaff, in great form. Really should have been given the medal for two reasons. One, I think he probably deserved it, and two, it would have been friggin' hilarious. But he's in great form, and behind the Andrew Gaff uh, best on ground, the Eagles are going to win by 25 points. And, uh, yeah, really set up the back five or six games of the season into a really good spot and hopefully turn our uh, our September into quite a deep run. Did you pick 25 because I picked 24? No, I have it written down. I can send you a screenshot if you'd like. I do have it written down in here. I'm not trying to... What is that, Jeopardy, no, where you, where you one-up them on Jeopardy rules? I'll, I'll take your word for it. Well, I think I think uh, I must have had, what did I have last week, maybe 17 or 18 or something like that. So I don't think my predictions have been you know home runs lately. The Eagles are uh, throwing up all sorts of curveballs of late. But anyway, yeah, so Gaff to have a good game, Sheed to have a good game, Cripps to have a good game, and all of us agree that the Eagles will win and set up a really, really nice run home. That'll do it for us this week. It's been a fantastic week to be an Eagle. Key's mentioned it. Everything's coming up Millhouse. Uh, and, you know, even all the little things. The sun shines a little bit brighter and going to work's a little bit easier. And it's just fun to, you know, poke fun at a couple of your Freo mates. And Eagle's sitting pretty. It's a good place to be. So thanks very much, Keys, for coming on the show and uh, chatting all good things Eagles with us. Yeah, cool. Good night. Uh, Miguel, grand final rematch coming up. It will be a big one, but we are all in a pretty positive space at the moment, so thanks for coming on to share the good vibes. No problem, and I'm going to go watch my um, my recording of the Chicken Fingers episode of Community. Oh, it only gets better and better for the boys. <laughs> all right, well, yes, as I said, that will do it for us this week. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening, and if you have any questions, chuck them on the board or send them through to any of us. We'll talk to you this time next week, hopefully off the back of yet another Eagles victory. Uh, And other than that, we will see you next time. Go the Eagles. Bye. Bye. Bye.